Hey everyone, Steve Adubato. This is Lessons in Leadership. We kick off this uh, series. This new series is called the mini-series of Lessons in Leadership, Discovery and Innovation in New Jersey. So there'll be a whole range of programs with people in this state who are involved in discovery and innovation. And our partner in that is Chris Palladino, president of uh, New Brunswick Development Corporation, DevCo, and Helix behind him. Chris, this series Discovery and Innovation in New Jersey. There'll be Tim Sullivan from the Economic Development Authority, the, the head of the uh, RWJ Barnabas Health, the head of uh, Hackensack Meridian Health, uh, Princeton University, Rutgers University, all your partners. Why is this series, Lessons in Leadership, Discovery and Innovation in New Jersey, so important, Chris? It's important because the helix is important. The helix is important to New Jersey. Um, we're building an ecosystem that is going to foster scientific uh, collaboration, discovery, and commercialization, and hopefully reignite the innovative uh, uh, spirit of New Jersey, which has been part of our history. Yeah, tee it up, Mary. Yeah, definitely. And we're going to be talking a lot about discovery. What does that look like in 20 seconds or less? What does discovery and innovation look like in New Jersey? You know, New Jersey has, you know, a long history of this. Thomas Edison, Albert Einstein, uh, Sarnoff, Waxman. Um, they created industries, they created jobs. And what we are trying to do is create an environment where the next telephone, the next laser, the next pharmaceutical um, or therapy is going to be founded and create an entire new industry in New Jersey. And this is creating an environment where creative collisions can happen. What's fortunate is that people have finally realized once again that they need to collaborate. They need each other. They can do more in partnerships than they can um, uh, alone. And this is a place that can do that. And so you may wonder, Discovery and Innovation in New Jersey, and I appreciate that that Chris Palladino mentioned Edison. Um, on our sister series, Remember Them, that I do with Jackie Chikarico, we did a whole special on innovation uh, in New Jersey that started with people like Edison. And so to Chris's point, this whole series, Discovery and Innovation in New Jersey, will talk to people, will feature people who are making a difference, who are innovating, who are discovering. New Jersey has that history, as, as Chris said, but why not in New Jersey again? And that's what's happening at the Helix. Chris, thank you, my friend. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Mary. You got it. Lessons in Leadership, Discovery and Innovation in New Jersey. Here it is. You can't talk Discovery and Innovation in New Jersey unless you talk about going overseas and engaging in potential partnerships. And we're joined by Wes Matthews, president and CEO of Choose New Jersey. This is part of our Discovery and Innovation series. Uh, Wes, great to have you with us. Thank you, Steve. Now, again, we're talking about Discovery and Innovation in New Jersey. You and the team, along with Governor Murphy and a whole range of others, uh, and I believe Choose was the key coordinator in this, went to East Asia for what? And why is it so related to Discovery and Innovation in New Jersey, please? Yeah, thanks again, Steve, for having me on. Uh, so East Asia, the countries there are tremendous partners of New Jersey's, um, not just now, not just over the last few years, but over decades. So when we talk about some of our key trade and investment partners globally, that conversation can't happen without the likes of Japan, Korea, Taiwan, um, mainland China, all in that conversation. Again, if you look at each of those countries or island territories individually, they are key contributors to our economy and they have been for decades. So it was a it was an economic mission we wanted to do for several years. Uh, the pandemic got in the way and we were uh, very lucky uh, 
fortunate to be able to put this on uh, with the governor and our largest delegation to date uh, on this overseas mission. Before Mary jumps in, let, let me try this, Wes, because I've often thought that when it comes to going overseas like this, and I don't know whether people call it a trade mission, I don't care what you call it, but you're, you're there to engage and connect with people and build relationships. From your perspective, what is the connection, the correlation, Wes, between leadership, successful partnering, and building relationships with people you've never met before? Please. Yeah, I, I think what's probably most important there is that you have a common vision for your economies and your countries or state um, in our regard. So for New Jersey, those relationships that I say we've had over decades, we might have taken them for granted over the last 20 years. And so it was important to us to signal more than anything, to send that signal to Japan, Korea, and Taiwan, that you are important to New Jersey, you're important to our economy, you are, you're important to our academic institutions. And what we are trying to create here, as the governor often calls this innovation-fueled economy, that those countries have done or are in the process of doing that we wanted to model and learn from and also share some of our lessons learned. So I think more than anything, it's an, it's a very important signal to these countries around the world. Um, and, you know, just being, you know, cold-blooded about it, every other state in the country is also waving their flag abroad increasingly <laughs> these yep. days. And so it's really important for New Jersey to do that. And I feel we probably have the best value proposition and are led by a governor and folks in state administration and 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 here in my organization, frankly, that that have that experience doing that abroad over over either their careers currently or in previous careers. We wanted to take advantage of it, and we felt we have a, a small window of time here to reestablish ourselves and our primacy in these areas. Interesting stuff, Mary. Yeah, I have a actually very selfish question for you, Wes, and it has to go with the film and media industry in New Jersey. I know Choose New Jersey, along with so many other partners, have been a huge proponent for bringing more of film, media, TV into New Jersey. Can you talk a little bit about that? Why is that so important and why now to the yeah. state of New Jersey and our economy? Right. That is a great question and one that I love to to answer. You know this, but a lot of some of your viewers might not, and I, I guarantee folks outside of our state often do not. But New Jersey was the birthplace of the film industry in, in the United States, if not the world. I mean, the motion picture was invented here just a few miles from where I am in Newark, in West Orange. Fort Lee was the, the film. Edison? Yeah. Are we talking Edison? Uh, West Orange initially. Yeah, but Thomas no, no, no. Edison, you're no, right. Thomas Edison, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, it's not too confusing in New Jersey, the names of our towns. <laughs> that is right. Thomas Edison in West Orange. Uh, and Fort Lee, again, silent film capital of the country, if not the world. Um, and so I think, again, over, over several decades, um, we lost our way in that industry. And then Hollywood stood itself up uh, and... The film industry, for all practical purposes, moved as far away from New Jersey as possible to the other side of the continent. And over these last few years, we realized that other states like Georgia were, were getting in the game in terms of film production with some of the most lucrative tax incentives in the, in the country. And so we thought, well, why, why can't we do that uh, and do that again? Um, and so we, we put some thought into it. And again, under the governor's able leadership along with his 
his partner on all things uh, economic development, Tim Sullivan at the EDA and others here at Choose. Um, we put this plan in place to re-envision uh, or recapture core components of the film industry. And that starts, you know, with pure economics. So again, reinstituting uh, one of the most aggressive uh, incentive programs in the country to lure production back to the state was a key component of that. Um, producers already know what New Jersey has. You know, our counties and townships are film ready in many ways. We have a commission that's doing doing great work over decades, but now they have tools in their in their quiver, so to speak, to allow them to um, to win back some of this business. And we've had great success as you've as you've seen over the last few years. And that is that is the is that the film commission? It is. Yeah, which, it's called the which, film. It is. It's it's there. There's a longer official official yeah, name I know. That's the motion picture and TV association, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And they, yeah. they're constantly attracting their job is to attract film and media related projects to the state. Hey, Wes, before I let you go, before we let you go real quick on this uh, innovation. The term means different things to different people. You're talking about Edison, not the town, but Thomas Edison over in West Orange. And but when it comes to economic development opportunities in this state. Innovation isn't an option. Constantly innovating and discovering and never accepting the status quo. I know I sound like a cliche. That's not a strategy. The status quo is not a strategy when it comes to discovery and innovation. Yeah, one minute on that before we let you go. Thanks, Wes. Yeah, thanks again, Steve. So so I think, you know, in, in, you know, in some respects, New Jersey has a very tough challenge here because we are an innovation economy. We have been for decades, if not over a century. For us to continually try to innovate and, and be at the leading edge of that takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of work at state government. It takes a lot of work at the municipal and county levels to constantly be ready to, one, be ready to change, which is often the hardest thing to do, right? But you and I both believe you innovate or die. And as our innovation economy goes, so will the overall economy of New Jersey. And I think, you know, again, that begins and ends with effective leadership at every level, at state government, um, here at organizations like Choose New Jersey and the business chambers at the municipal and county levels, setting that vision and offering a strategic direction for the state economy and being able to put the resources in place to be able to accept those innovators, because it's 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 businesses of all sizes, including the startup economy, it's the um, it's the educational institutions and the students that we want that are going to fuel the next chapter of our innovation story. So it's all of that, and then being able to create an economy that can be adaptable and resilient, I think, is probably, you know, very important. Good stuff. Important stuff. Wes Matthews is the president and chief executive officer of Choose New Jersey. Uh, check out there website to find out more about them. Wes, we thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. You got to stay with us. We'll be right back. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is made possible by the Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, the North Ward Center, the New Jersey Sharing Network, Delta Dental of New Jersey, the Helix, Fedway Associates, Inc., the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey, Veolia, resourcing the world, Choose New Jersey, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. This is Mary Gamba. 
If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com, NJBIA and New Jersey Business Magazine, CIANJ and Commerce Magazine, and the Meadowlands Chamber and Meadowlands Media. We're now joined by Dr. Matt Sabold, who's a Medical Director, Structural Heart Disease Program at Hackensack Meridian, Jersey Shore University Medical Center. That's a long title, but he is a very impressive physician leader. Good to see you, Matt. Good to see you, Steve. How are you? I'm great. You know, I need to disclose that for the past, is it three, going on four years, is it four years that I've been teaching and coaching in the Physician Leadership Academy at Hackensack Meridian Health, and you've been one of our leading student candidates. Is that a fair assessment? I hope so. Okay. <laughs> and Steve, I resent that we have been leading because of the pandemic. I've been leading these seminars as well. So I would like Mary, a little bit yeah, of Mary, props for that. Yeah, Mary, don't let me cut you out. Thank you, Matt. You know, you know, she just did a segment, Matt, where she said she's not very needy and doesn't need a compliment. And she just <laughs> begged for one in real time on the air. I'll ignore that. Matt, let's do this. Tell everyone, because we, again, in all seriousness, that Mary and I have been working with the Hackensack Meridian Physician Leadership Academy. One of the things we learned about Matt, and the reason we asked him to be on Lessons in Leadership, is the innovative work that he and his colleagues are doing around uh, cardiac care, structural heart disease initiatives. What is the, the mitral valve disease issue and the device and innovation that is changing everything for cardiac care. I know that's a long-winded thing, but given my family's history of cardiac issues, I'm especially interested. Go ahead. Well, it's important to know that in the heart, uh, there are four valves, and valves are like the locks in the canal that just keep the blood moving in one direction and separate all the chambers, just like a door in your house separates the hallway from the, the bedroom. And uh, if the valve doesn't work, you can get leaking, you can get tightening, uh, the hinges can be tight. And essentially, that results in symptoms of heart disease, shortness of breath, chest pain, congestive heart failure, uh, decline in exercise. And when this happens, these valves need to be fixed. And what our team tries to do is create a solution for people to correct these problems without surgery. Uh, open heart surgery is very successful and uh, uh, very effective, but it has risks and can severely disable older people. So we're always looking for minimally invasive solutions to correct any problem wrong with the heart, including in the valves. To answer your first question, the mitral valve is an important valve that separates two chambers on the left side of the heart. Right. And if it leaks, you can't breathe. And the only solution generally is to do open heart surgery and replace the valve. And what we specialize is in a procedure called the mitral clip. Hold on, the mitral clip. And is it an clip. actual clip? For it's, a little, it's a little clip. It, 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 it approximates what a suture would do with a surgeon's hands. But instead of opening someone's chest, we can go through a pinhole in their leg and put this little clip or suture on the valve and tie it back together. Hold and then on, for Matt, people time who... Out, time out, time out. <laughs> time out, time out. Please tell me there's some video that's that's not real, but but animated that backs this up. Please tell me, Matt. Oh, sure. Yeah, you can go. Okay, to, we're going to show. Uh, oh, no, yeah, I'm getting yeah. that from you, Matt, because yeah, I know yeah. I'm trying to have a visual of what this little clip and I'm just picturing like a little binder clip. So I need to get more visual here. <laughs> These are <real laughs> Well, a binder clip, clip work, Matt, in, in a pinch. I, I've heard that you pinch. can use like a pen Mary, if you don't have. OK, Mary, we're talking serious cardiac issues. Stop All right, I'm sorry. Off. Go ahead, Matt. Pick it up. Uh, so this clip but not 
not every patient is a candidate for the simple solution called the clip. Some people just need the whole valve replaced. And Jersey Shore is really excited to be offering patients uh, access to a medical research trial. It's called the Apollo Medical Trial. And in this trial, patients can have their valve completely replaced without surgery through a hole in their leg. In the leg? Correct. Okay, Mary, before you jump in. I I just, I'm trying to envision how you get from there to here. I'm I'm mesmerized. Imagine city planning. Every pipe in the city connects to the same place. Somehow you have to find your way there. In the Ah. leg, there are arteries and veins. They connect direct to the heart. And we can work our way up to the heart from these from these pipes and deliver our tools and deliver our valves. Can, can you know, I Mary? jump in here, Steve? Because I do have a question because yeah. we are a leadership show. I want to tie this back to leadership and innovation because yeah, innovation. in my Mary, mind. Mary, we got our series Discovery and Innovation in New Jersey. This is it right now. This is it. And, and, and imagine if as a physician leader, Matt, if you and your team did not come up with this, what would have happened? We often press all of our Physician Leadership Academy participants to say, if we don't do this. So if you didn't do this, what would have been the consequence of not taking these risks? The consequences are huge because a lot of the people that I take care of don't have other options. Traditionally, the only option approved by the FDA might be open heart surgery. And certain people, when they reach in their 80s and 90s, or maybe even if they're younger and have other diseases, it's not safe to do surgery. So their only option is to have congestive heart failure and pass away. So for us to be able to offer safe, minimally invasive solutions to these, this group is very important. I'm curious about this because we've known you such a long time um, and we've worked together in the, in the Leadership Academy, the Physician Leadership Academy. For you, what would you say the most significant uh, improvement, change, whatever, you, whatever adjective you want to use, as a leader, as a physician leader, the biggest improvement, change, innovation, whatever you want to call it for you in the last several years. And again, it's not fishing for a compliment because we work together, but I've seen you evolve. I've seen you become incredibly much more confident communicating, but that may or may not be it. So go ahead, Matt. Well, I really enjoyed being in the Physician Leadership Academy and going through this process with you and, and all the people in the network because the problem I had is when you're young and, and going through med school, and all the training, you know, it's 10, 15 years, head down on an escalator, focusing on your medical knowledge, but to take some time away and do some self-development, dive into healthcare economics, managerial accounting, public speaking skills. Uh, this has been something that I and all the members have really enjoyed. So I, I've taken a lot away from it. Yeah. You know, what's so interesting, Mary, for years, people would say things like, well, if it was a surgeon and the surgeon didn't have this, the best, Mary, I use the term bedside manner. Mm-hmm. People would say, well, who cares? He, she, they, they're they're just doing surgery. Who really cares the way they communicate, whether they're empathetic, whether they're uh, good listeners? They're just good surgeons. Mary, that doesn't really work that way, does it? It doesn't. I I think it works in the operating room, physically in the operating room. But for those moments before and after, when you come out of that operating room and you want to hear from that surgeon, what did you find? What's my prognosis? Where do we go from here? If you don't have that ability to clearly, concisely communicate, but more more importantly, empathize with that person, because it's got to be hard, Matt. I mean, talk about that a little bit to be a physician, because obviously, you know, and you deal with this all the time. It's not scary to you. But say if you see that somebody's in complete and total heart failure and you need to tell that to them, why is it so important for you to have that ability to empathize and not just see that patient as a number? 
Well, not only do you need to communicate with the patient and their family, but just like in management, everything even at the at the patient care level is now done as a team. Uh, these procedures are are two physician teams with a room full of nurses and special radiology techs in the room. That's right, Steve. So it's four hands to to put these little devices in. So we're constantly speaking and communicating. Uh, our work is guided by a third doctor in the room who's taking pictures of the heart for us in 3D with an ultrasound. Uh, and then we need to communicate with the family, with the referring, and then and then with the institution to justify the use of these technologies. So um, being silent is not really an option if you want to grow this field. But at the same time, Matt, everything you just described, leading a team, two doc, two physicians, and then another physician, and then nurses are involved, another technicians and other folks involved. <clears throat> I, I, and one of the reasons there is a physician leadership academy at HMH um, is because the leadership there has understood that a lot of the leadership communication, team building skills, they're not necessarily, and I'm not being critical of medical schools or medical education, but that's not a big part of the curriculum, is it, Matt? No, it's not. You know, it's not, there's no time carved out for that. Like I said, you're really just kind of focused on the medical knowledge for so many years. So to get these extra skills is, is so critical in this age. Dr. Matt Sable, who's the medical director of Structural Heart Disease Program, Hackensack Meridian, Jersey Shore University Medical Center, one of the top candidates, participants in the HMH Physician Leadership Academy. This is, again, part of our Discovery and Innovation New Jersey series as well. Uh, I want to thank you so much, Matt. We appreciate it. All the best. Thank you so much, Steve. Bye, Mary. You got it. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com, NJBIA and New Jersey Business Magazine, CIANJ and Commerce Magazine, and the Meadowlands Chamber and Meadowlands Media. Most people don't think about where their water comes from, but we do. Veolia, more than water, resourcing the world. Welcome back to Lessons in Leadership, Steve Adubato with Mary Gamba. Hey, Mary, uh, I'm tired of you criticizing my, what you called 1980s brown placards. I don't know where it is, like, uh, like this, I survived. And I don't even know, those might even be 1970s, those. Does it slide in and out, the little brown thing? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> this is fantastic. Okay. Well, I got it. That's why. That's why. I went and got some new stuff. All right. I'm ready for these props. Now, I need your reaction to this. These are to prompt dialogue. Okay. Totally unrehearsed. Mary has no idea where I'm going with this. What, Mary? Oh, I'm, I'm prepared. I love this. It's like word of Do you believe... Do you believe from a leadership perspective? And also, Alvin, I know you need to get your, your whole glam team getting you ready to be back on camera. But that being said, do you, Mary, and do you, Alvin and Frank, please feel free to jump in. Do we believe this is true? Scarland, you got a shot of that? Everything is figure outable. I don't even know if figure outable. April, is that a word? It's not a word. I don't know if it's a word. Mary, do you believe it first? Everything's figure yes. outable. I 1000% other than illnesses, which some illnesses, God forbid, cancers, et cetera, you know, you can't really figure it out and it's horrific. But beyond that, yes, I believe that everything is figure outable. Now, let me say though, it may not be figure outable in the way that you want it to be figure outable. You may need to oh. pivot. You may need to make concessions. 
you may need to change your mind. You may be disappointed, but at the end of the day, if you see it, it, it goes back to seeing everything, every challenge as an opportunity. To me, that's what everything is figure outable means. You can figure mm -hmm. it out. Alvin, everything figure, figure outable. Do you believe that take certain illnesses, God forbid, yeah. you know, we, do you believe that virtually everything is quote, figure outable, please? I do agree. I do agree. I think that if you have two consenting people who, with, who are open-minded, you can always figure things out. Long, long as someone isn't closed-minded, you can figure things out. And even if they are, if you continue that discussion, you can things will be figured out. And does this include marital issues? Yeah. Oh, most definitely. Yes. 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 Right. That's, a, that's a whole topic, but yes. <laughs> figure outable. Yes. All right. And your mentor, can I bring your mentor on, who's also yes. our... Frank Brown. The world's greatest, most talented audio engineer. Frank Brown, you there, buddy? Frank, everything, you've seen a lot. We've worked together for, th Mary, longer, considerably longer than you and I have been together. Mm -hmm. uh, Frank and I have been together 30 years doing all kinds of things. Frank, in our business or virtually any other business, from a leadership perspective, everything figure outable? Most things are figure outable. Um, mm. it, may, it may take some time. Um, and and the right people in the room, um, and the with the right perspective, and just being calm because, of course, with what we do, sometimes things get a little tense, especially with live television. That's that's a that's a harder situation. But if you have time to plan and you have time to figure it out, it's one thing. So yeah, I believe most things are figure outable. All right, Elvin, stop, stop. Oh, you, Scarn, are you writing in the chat? Uh, chat or, no, uh, this is Elvin. He is the okay, multitasker Elvin, king. If you say this, you say it, my friend. Don't put it in the chat. You want to, you want to argue, you want to argue with Frank, don't you? <laughs> Not at all. I just don't want to interrupt Frank while he's speaking. Okay, go ahead, Mr. Politeness. Go ahead. What do you want me to say? I, I was just saying there's three minutes left. Oh, I thought. <laughs> this is. This is how you know. This is live TV at its best. I have to say, though, when I watch back our show, some of my favorite segments, and I know, Steve, your mom and my dad are tuned in right now. So a shout out to Bill Deering and Fran Adubato. But are they the only they, ones? They're, de they're, they're definitely, they watch it live. So <laughs> they could be our QC patrol. Uh, okay. But yes, they tell us that these segments with Frank and Elvin are some of their favorite segments that we do because they're real, right? People want to see real. Sure, our guests are fantastic. They're informative. We can't take anything away from them. But the realness of us together and our chemistry cannot be denied. I agree. My chemistry, oh, ours. I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about me. So uh, real quick on this, in all seriousness, if you take the attitude from a leadership and team perspective, from an operational perspective, that everything is figure outable, then Elvin, our entire tone, our demeanor, and the way we handle things is totally different. Fair? I may not handle things the same way you will, but I'm pretty much sure that if we're talking to each other, we could figure it out. How many offline conversations have we had, Elvin, about certain? You see, a see. Lot. <laughs> we talk often, Steve. We do. And and, and yet you're still with us, Elvin. So that, that's got to say something about you. Usually, we always figure it out, Steve. Okay, tell, real quick, before we go. we were I was up against, I was not liking how I was framed, and I was getting a little too close to the top. Elvin and the team and Scarlin behind the camera figured it out. What did you figure out before we go? We got 45 seconds left. What did you figure out? You purchased a bigger, a bigger background for you. So now I can move around. 
You could even stand up and walk around if you want, but no, we're not, no, not going to do that. <laughs> not, we're not going to do that. But, but we were sitting there going, okay. how does Scarlett behind the camera, how does he frame it? You're laughing. Now I got your interest, Scarlett. How does he frame it differently? And they, then they go, hey, wait a minute. Why don't we just get a bigger set design? We need a bigger boat. <laughs> You're going to need a bigger boat, Mary. What Sorry. movie? With money, you can figure out everything. Oh. The irony was that wasn't even expensive. That's like the whole, the, the irony of this. After Mary's done. All right, we got to go. Goodbye. We got to go. <laughs> so apparently, uh, Frank, there's a caveat. This is going to be Elvin Badger. Everything is figureoutable, dot, 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 if you have the money. Lessons in leadership. This is Frank Brown, Elvin Badger, Mary Gamba, Scarlin, April, Sylvester on the back end, post-production. Amy. Amy. Amy, who is terrific on our closed caption. It's all figureoutable. See you next time. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is made possible by the Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, the North Ward Center, the New Jersey Sharing Network, Delta Dental of New Jersey, the Helix, Fedway Associates, Inc., the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey, Veolia, resourcing the world, Choose New Jersey, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com, NJBIA, and New Jersey Business Magazine, CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine, and the Meadowlands Chamber and Meadowlands Media.